Welcome into episode 24 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and I am happy to be joined once again by two of the best up-and-coming recruiting insiders in the game, Travis Graff of Cats Illustrated and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Travis, how are you doing today, man? Doing fantastic. Glad to finally have the gang back together. Absolutely, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that, uh, how things unfolded here in a minute. But real quick, David, how are you doing, man? Let me take uh, Las Vegas, uh, Boston Garden, uh, College Basketball Hall of Fame. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm just talking to myself about all the places Jack Pilgrim's been to here in the last couple of months. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it has been uh, absolutely chaotic. So... Uh, last week, I went up to the Boston, the the Massachusetts area. I went to the Hoopal Classic to got to get things started last. La, I guess it was last weekend, uh, two weekends ago. I don't remember this specific weekend, but went up to the Hoopal Classic, got to see some of the UK signees and major targets in action, uh, and then I went. Um, I took the little trip over to Boston to go see the city a little bit. Went to go. I went to two Celtics games. Um, Got to do, you know, got to tour Fenway Park, did a bunch of the, you know, as you guys have, have heard on this podcast several times in the past, I'm a diehard Boston fan, so I wanted to get up and, and see one of my favorite places and, and my favorite Did teams. you learn how to steal signals? Uh, no, I did not actually. That's uh, hopefully the. In fact, during my Fen- my tour of Fenway, they were very kind of. Uh, th- 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 there's definitely an animosity in there about how things were unfolding and how they were not happy about uh, what what was going on in, in the national media and all that stuff. So that was it was an interesting, very very interesting experience. I loved it. I very lucky that I actually came back because I'm I'm one of those those guys that could very well see myself ending up in Boston uh, in long term at the end of the day, you know, obviously not now, but several years off in the future, that might be something I explore. But I'm a very, very big fan. I had a lot of fun. Um, but the only reason why we didn't record while I was up there is um, – I couldn't. I couldn't bring my the equipment up there. They, as you guys might have seen, may have seen on on KSR and, and on social media, the you know Matt, Drew, uh, Shannon, and Ryan. They all went up to Iowa. They drove to Iowa and they took the podcast equipment with them to do these little uh, nightly shows. So. Uh, because I was getting back Friday, they were leaving before I was able to get back. So I couldn't bring the podcast equipment up there with me. Um, so we, my, my options were either no show or record it with like voice memos or like the, you know, the voice recording app that you have on your phone. And I just kind of thought, you know, it, it, the content might still be okay, but I, the, I just think the audio quality would have been too poor, and I just didn't want to didn't want to risk that. So uh, that was the reason for our, for our week off. I I apologize for that, and hopefully uh, we will be able to make up more than make up for that this week with with a jam packed episode with lots and lots of information, and we'll get started with what I saw up in up in uh, that that area with the Hoopal Classic guys. 
that is one heck of an event if you if you guys can ever make it up there to in the area to see it that that's one heck of an event with so much talent across the board not just with Kentucky guys but uh, just just so many uh, talented players guys that are going to various high 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 major schools uh, I mean there's just just a ton of talent up there but more specifically the Kentucky guys I mean that there were I mean Lance Ware played BJ Boston played Devin Askey played and just in in terms of the actual sign Terrence Clark was supposed to was supposed to play, but I think weather uh, kept them out of of that event. They had to they had to stay home. I think it snowed pretty bad when when they were trying to make the drive, so they could they had to call it off. Um, but you know, like Jonathan Kaminga's team, he didn't play. He was he had, he's dealing with an, an ankle injury, but his team was there. Um, you know, Cade was there with with Scotty Barnes with Montverde. Just a ton of talent. It was it was just an absolute blast. Uh, before I go on my kind of tangent on what I saw in particular and, and the what I liked about the Kentucky guys and and all of that stuff, um, I know both of you guys kind of mentioned that you kind of watch from afar. You watch the highlights. So, you know, I, I think Travis, you said in particular, you you actually stream some of the games. Uh, uh, real quickly, you know, Travis, what did you see from uh, the Kentucky guys in particular, including the uh, the the targets that they're that they're going after right now? What what did you think of what you saw? First thing that stuck out to me was I think Lance Ware could help the team this year. He's not the flashiest guy, but he's gritty in the paint. He's physical. He won the uh, he won the matchup against the now number three ranked player, previously number one ranked player, Evan Mobley who is considered to be a Sherlock top five pick in the NBA draft at some point. And absolutely, he's throwing him around in the paint, uh, oh, yeah. beating, out-hustling him to every loose ball, to every rebound. Just uh, He put up some nice stats in that game and really held Evan Mobley at bay. Um, Devin Askew, I don't think he had a great game, kind of like Kristen Peake said last night on uh, CatScan podcast. She said that he didn't have a great game. But you look up and he still got twenty something points. Oh yeah! And I thought I was like, huh? I was kind of like Ashton Higgins this year. You, you don't Ashton Higgins. There's some games you're like, oh, he's playing like crap. And you look up, he's got almost a triple double. <laughs> yeah. That and one, what was that one? That's that one stat line he had the uh, like sixteen nine and nine. And everybody was like, wow. This yeah. Is, this was one of his worst games as a Wildcat. <laughs> you actually look at the yeah, stats. It's like, like, oh wow. Plays down the stretch and then like. You get the stat card at the end of the game. It's like, holy crap! He he was two stats away from a triple double. <laughs> Everybody's in the press box like, eh, he's not doing too great. And, oh yeah. But and then uh, non UK related, Jalen Green really stuck out to me. I, he's phenomenal. Montbird would be a top fifty college team. I feel like they're just outrageous. Unbelievable. That, and Kate Cunningham is deservingly the number one player in the class. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, their whole starting five is just absurd. BJ Boston continued his tear and it showed in the new rivals rankings he's now up to fourth which dropped terrence clark down to uh to fifth i'm sure we'll get to that later in the show but yeah um, bj boston's been on an absolute menacing tear over the past couple months and the hoop ball classic was no different yeah absolutely uh david what did what did you see uh and 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 what you you, and and whether it was the highlights or, or actual live stream from from uh the UK guys in particular, and just anybody else that stood out to you? I didn't watch as much of it as Travis. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge like film and video watcher. Now, when I get a chance in person, <clears throat> I'll, I'll really do it. Uh, I, I just, 
I see like I pick up a lot more in person than I do on film, and that, it's just it's been that way over the years. Uh, so I, I just enjoy doing that more. You kind of have an idea, though, when you watch these guys. You can tell if they're bigger, if they're stronger, uh, kind of how their game is developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess the guy, uh, Lance Ware, uh, has been a guy that I've kind of enjoyed watching a little bit because I'm going to be honest, I didn't get to see him a whole lot in spring because at that time, Kentucky wasn't on him as much. Yeah. So uh, just kind of see first impact. How is he different than, than what you thought in the past? Um, and, you know, he's it's like Travis said, he plays with so much energy. And you kind of watch these guys and say, well, are they Calipari's type players? How could they help now? And Lance Ware is that kind of guy. Uh, B.J. Boston, ever since – Last spring, when when I knew Kentucky was really on him, and we all did, that was a guy that we we watched intently, and he's just somebody that that I've really enjoyed watching, uh, and I wanted to see him with a ball in his hands a little bit more than he did with AOT because Sharif Cooper was playing a point, and you know I've told you I was kind of jealous of you, Jack, because you got to see him in Charlottesville oh, when yeah. he was actually had the ball in his hands playing point, and. Uh, just kind of watching how his game's grown. And we're going to get into rivals ratings a little bit later in the show, but uh, I think we all knew that he was going to make a major, major jump. We didn't realize how much, but, I mean, he's uh, obviously, you know, I, I know Travis Rocks, Jalen Green, and Cade Cunningham, they're on a very high level, but uh, B.J. Boston's playing his way into the elite of the elite conversation. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest takeaways. He played two games up there, B.J. Boston did, and both games he brought something different to the table um, than what I had seen from him in the past. And that was kind of something that, that – that I was really impressed with was I've seen his, his intermediate, I've seen um, his mid range jumpers. I've seen the step back threes, you know, I've seen that every time I've seen him, but I was almost kind of hoping to um, see uh, something new out of him, something that I, that I hadn't seen in the past. And I thought he was, much more active defensively, trying to jump the passing lanes, um, wanting to get out and transition, push ahead. You know, he, he had that massive, massive uh, poster dunk where that, that made Sports Center top ten. Um, you know, I was wanting to just see something, you know, something else, and, and he did bring that to the table. Um, and, and I mean, that's not to say that he didn't, um, you know, didn't provide that same scoring I think he had 17 in the first game and 20 in the next game um, but I mean he was just he's just has such a diverse game brings so many different different things to the table in terms of just pure scoring his ball handling I think is just so 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 impressive for his size you know a lot of guys that are as tall as he is I mean I, and, and the more I see him I think he's a true six foot seven pushing six eight not you know a lot of times they they give you an inch or two in, in the well, see, official height on the cat scan last night said that when she talked to Brandon Sr., that he told her that he, 
the BJ had grown an inch or an inch and a half since the summer. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't heard that, but yeah, that's that's that does not surprise me at all. That's exact exactly what I was thinking. He's he is pushing closer to six eight than he is six six or or six uh, five. That you know, sometimes they give you an extra inch. You know, a lot of times they give you an extra inch inch or two in the official uh, you know official numbers on on the various recruiting outlets. But he is not one of those those guys for how tall he is and kind of I mean honestly how lanky he is. I mean, uh, he you know he's he's not bulky at all. That's something that he's still going to need to work on. Uh, but for how tall he is, his ball handling ability and just how um, how fluid he is, you know, as the kind of primary guard option. I mean, it's just it's that is something just um, that really really impressed me. That that kid, uh, we I mean we talked about on our on our uh, when we kind of ranked every single player in the class. Uh, was that last? I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago, or maybe three, whenever it was when we did the, the top 25 rankings, um, I I kind of left him, I think I put him at eight, I believe, and I, I didn't know if I was selling him short a little bit, but just because of how much of a jump it would have already been to put him into the top 10, uh, I know he was down at four, down to 14 on, on, I think he was rivals, maybe down to 17 on ESPN, whatever it was. Um, he had he had dropped a little bit, and, and I wanted to give him the credit the credit he was due by putting him in the top ten. But I didn't know that they would actually give him that that top five ranking. But I, I, I it it was not something that I when I saw that I thought oh wow that's 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 way too much of a jump. That was one when they when when they put that out there I was like you know what he he has he has earned it he has separated himself as like like David like you said as one of the elite of the elite uh, and and he is deserving of that one hundred percent. Lance Ware, great point. Hey, let me ask you this. I'm sorry. Go for it. Having seen them in person, I, I know the thing that struck me last spring and summer, I saw like Jalen and BJ in back-to-back games. And I'm like, that's the same from a build-wise. It's the same guy. Now, I, I, at that time, Jalen was more explosive. BJ had better skill. Mm-hmm. But – their height and weight and the way they were built, I'm like, man, they're 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 like twins. Yeah. They, is that still the case? Is one outgrown another or or Yeah, I th- I wanna I definitely think BJ Boston's taller than Jalen Green. Um but yeah, i, I mean those two are, are just such different players and what they bring to the table. So it's kind of tough to compare those two. But size-wise, yeah, they're, they're spitting image of one another, Just except I'd, I'd probably give uh, – what's Jalen officially listed at? 6'5"? Maybe, yeah, I think he's officially six five, but yeah, I, I definitely give give BJ, you know, a, a couple inches at, at the very least. But, but – yeah, I, I was very, very impressed with what what BJ brought to the table. The, that kid, um, I was, I was, you know, I know we're gonna, I'm going a little overboard with with the rankings and talking about that because we're gonna get back into that in, a, in a, here in a little bit. But I was kind of surprised that they were that they went as far as as moving him ahead of Terrence Clark. I don't know if I would. Again, you know, I was hoping to see Terrence this weekend, but or last week and and they didn't show up. So, I couldn't, you know, compare the two of them based on, you know, my own two eyes, but it was it was kind of ballsy of them to to give give BJ that extra push, but he has he has led one of the best high school teams in the nation. Um, in scoring, he he is the best player on one of the best high school teams in the nation. So, I mean, you got to give credit where it's due. He he has earned that ranking one hundred percent. Uh, real quickly, Lance Ware, 
Travis, like you said, he absolutely bullied uh, um, Evan Mobley in the, in that matchup. It, that was something I, I I've never really been. I, I heard some rumblings this. Um, I, I don't. I can't remember if it was in the summer or, or uh, maybe early fall that that a lot of the people on the West Coast were not very pleased with Evan Mobley and kind of how he um, kind of ducked major competition at times and and wasn't wasn't putting himself out there to prove that he was among the best of the best, that he he, he was kind of just, you, you know, using the old film and, and all that to, to kind of solidify his status as one of the top top recruits in the nation. Uh, we weren't able to really see that. Uh, over the last the last several months, so my first time seeing him in person at this event, I was not impressed at all. I, I really, as he was matched up with Lance Ware, I was like, dude, these players are comparable. I mean, and I'm I'm more so saying because Lance is a top 35 player in the country, and and Mobley is the consensus top three player in the country. He's been rated number one for forever. So. To see them matched up against one another, I, I really did not see a significant difference between the two. I think Lance, I mean, Lance bullied him down low, was throwing elbows, kind of, you know, working his way, trying to create space in the paint. And, and he was, he, I mean, he just had his way with him. I mean, he, he literally just created space at will against arguably the, the best big man in, in high school basketball. And it's an old corny saying that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Because you watch Lance Ware next to. Evan Mobley, and you can tell Lance Ware is not the fastest, most athletic dude on the court, but he was completely out, just outworking Evan Mobley, and Evan Mobley has otherworldly talent compared to Lance Ware. If we're gonna call a spade a spade, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that that's a great Lance point. Lance Ware is somebody you want in your program. And what's so what's so funny about that is is when you think of this year's team and what Calipari has been preaching over and over and over again regarding, you know, the just toughness, being physical, being just just trying – getting players that, you know, don't rely on just pure talent or pure athleticism or, or just, you know, their natural abilities. He, he has been begging this current team to just show fight, show effort, be, be a workhorse. And, uh, yeah, you bring up a really good point about, you know, just, you know, w- work out – you know – outweighs talent that's exactly what we saw and that's exactly the type of player that we are hoping uh you know hoping hoping to see this season and got uh, that i mean kentucky fans should be very very excited about that in itself he's gonna um i think i talked to his his head coach um i'm working on a ksr post right now about it um but i kind of asked okay what what are kentucky fans getting out of lance Ware? and they were like and and he said it's actually jalen brunson's dad he said, "Guys that are hoping for a twenty and ten type player are going to be they're they're going to be disappointed. That's not who he is. He might he might score twenty points. He might grab ten rebounds in a game, but that's not who he is on on every every you know any given night. He doesn't care about stats. He's a guy that cares more about." Doing whatever it takes to, to win the games. He's going to be a guy. Okay, if 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 Calipari says we, we need somebody out there that's going to grab a bunch of rebounds, he's going to he he's the guy that's going to raise his hand and say, "All right, I got you. I can be that player." Uh, if he says I need somebody to you know dunk the ball five times and 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 outwork this this elite big man down low, he's going to say, "All right, I got you, coach. I got you." That that is the type of player that Lance Ware is, talent wise. 
he is a very good player. I wouldn't say he's a he's a great player. I wouldn't say he's an elite player. I think he's a the talent is you know on that's where is why he's ranked where he is. But in terms of effort and tenacity and what he brings to the table, that is that that's what separates him from the pack, and that's why he separated himself against arguably the best big man in the nation. That was that was a really really telling matchup that I really uh, I was that was very very impressive uh, on that end. Well. Uh, uh, David, you're closer with the guys that you're closer than me with uh, than me with the guys who do the rankings for rivals. Do you think that that game in their eyes against Evan Mobley solidified giving him the last five star in the class? Yeah, it definitely didn't hurt. There'd been a lot of talk out there about um, the improvements that he was making. Anyway, um, I think that's a definite possibility and a good point that you brought up. And I. I'll tell you something to go along with that. You know, Evan was back and forth with Cade Cunningham for a long time, the number one player. But early on, everybody thought that Evan Mobley was the number one player in the class, hands down. And I was going to say, uh, as a young player, uh, it's kind of like going into a presidential campaign a year before the first primary or caucus, and you're up 20 points. And you've got the target on your back. So they get to take shots at you for a year and hold you down. And where, I I think being 15 years old and told that you're better than everybody else in the country, it's not even close. That's kind of the worst thing that can happen. So not only does um, where get that last five star, but also if you notice Jalen Green passed Mobley for the first time in the rankings. So I, I... I tend to think that that might had a big impact that matchup because not only did did Ware get that fifth star, but uh, nobody dropped. The last last signee, Devin Askew, uh, he dropped twenty. I think it was twenty points, nine assists, seven rebounds, and three steals. So like, yeah, I mean, he he absolutely just loaded the stat sheet. I mean, he, he brought everything to the table. Um, kind of like BJ Boston. I've kind of, you, you know, I, I've said over and over again, he's a, he's a game manager. He's the kind of guy that, that can lead your team to a national championship. Um, you know, might not have the natural ability of, you know, natural skill as some of the other uh, of the other point guards in the class, but he's going to compensate with that in terms of his toughness and fight and all that. Um, but I was kind of watching closely, you know, with his defense and kind of watching him off ball and seeing seeing how uh, he communicated with his team and how, you know, kind of the, the, the stuff that, that you don't see on a stat sheet or stuff that you don't see on the highlights. I wanted to see what he did outside of, of when he has the ball in his hands. Um, and he, he he's the kind of guy that – that is going even when he's outmatched physically, you know, the guy that's bigger than him or or stronger than him a little bit. He's going to be up in the grill of. Uh, he's at least going to be an annoyance, no matter who he's going up against. Um, I remember um, in e- EYBL. I can't remember who he went up against. A really strong, tough. Oh yeah, he went up against uh, against Cade in, in the EYBL, and, and he. You know, just got right up in his grill and and was and not making anything easy for him in the the final uh, Peach Jam. I think it was the semifinals, I believe. And he he made nothing easy for Cade, and that was something that that really kind of caught my attention. And that's what, especially this this weekend in particular at, at Hoop Hall, he 
was just ten, just just nasty on the defensive end. He was trying to jump the passing lanes and and really just getting up in in people's space and and making life uh, making life difficult and just being uncomfortable for um, for the opposition. That that just really really impressed me about him. And I think he had a little bit of a cold. Watching him, let me ask you this: watching him warm up and and shoot warm ups and then during a game in in one thing, especially. We heard a lot earlier in the year, and this is when Kentucky wasn't shooting well. Was that he yeah, he's a point guard, but he can really he's really gotten that great outside shot too. You know that was really something that appealed to Kentucky fans at that time. How 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 pure did his stroke look? Oh, he has, and, and what what makes me think that it's going to translate well to the next level is that that muscle memory is 100% there. It's it's a very fluid, um, you know, not a lot of, you know, no hitches, no, you know, weird kind of, you know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist type stuff where, it, you know, your your shot, you, your elbows changing every time you you lift for your for your shot. There there's there's none of that with with his with his shot. It's just a very pure um you know, fundamental shot that that you know I think it's it's going to translate to the next level 100%. I mean, he he didn't have the best shooting day in particular. Um, I, I don't have the exact numbers in, in front of me to see what is a, what the efficiency was, but he he did miss a lot of a lot of shots that he that I've seen him make in the past. But the 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 forms there, the 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 foundation of his shot is 100% there, and. I was talking to his dad a little bit after the game, and he was saying, "Man, what's so imp- what's going to be so you know impactful at the next level when he has B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark and whoever else they get, you know." He's going to have so many more opportunities where he's going to find himself open on the perimeter, where he's going to be able to, um, you know, kind of the, the the defense is obviously going to be focused in on on the two top five guys and BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, and you know if they end up getting Greg Brown or, or whoever they're able to get, um, you know, because of that, it's going to allow Devin Askew to be wide open and. and you know, on the perimeter, whether it be in the corner or, or you know wh- wherever that is, he's going to have his opportunities to make shots, and you know that's that's something that's that's exciting them because they they know the pressure is not going to be on him. They know you know I, they're realists, like they understand that that the, you know Cade Cunningham is probably a better point guard than than Devin Askew, and that that there are other better point guards in the nation than than Devin, but. They they know that he can come he can combat that natural talent with the, the just the intangible stuff that that you look for in a winning point guard and uh, that's that's why they're so excited to get to Kentucky and and just ma- and and be surrounded by such elite talent and um, you know kind of get get the attention off of off of him a little bit he's been leading that modern day offense and and you know the, he's been kind of the focal point of that team now he's going to be able to go to Kentucky with with uh, you know. Two of the best guards in, in the in the class. Maybe they get a Greg Brown. Maybe they get a um, you know a, a major grad transfer. Whoever it is, there's going to be more talent around them that kind of highlights them and kind of creates you know creates opportunities for Devin because of that. So yeah, it, the, I, I was very very pleased with everything I saw from all three of Kentucky's signees. Uh, we're not going to go too much into. The other guys, Cliff Omarui, I, I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I told you guys behind the scenes. He is a guy that I think could, could give you 10, 15 minutes on this current Kentucky team right now. What we talked about with Lance Ware, same thing you get from Cliff Omarui. He's a guy that if there are three things he does well, 
and that's the only thing he brings to the table every time he steps on the floor. It's that he's going to create space for for rebounds. He's going to, you know, at least put himself in position to rebound the ball. He's going to rebound the ball, like actually rebound the ball, and he's going to and dunk shots or, or you know, dunk dunk balls. He's going to be a, a cleanup guy. That's he will do that every single time he steps on the floor and he's going to block shots and 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 bring bring intensity every time he steps on the floor. That is who he is as a player. He's he you know, his his game is developed a little bit offensively. He's still a little bit raw. Um, you know, the, the skill is, is slowly developing, but it's still not 100% there, but you could get, you know, you can guarantee what you're going to get out of Cliff Omarui every single time he's on the floor. Uh, and that's just effort, intensity, rebounding, blocking shots and dunking the ball. I mean, that's, that's literally who he is as a player. And that is something Kentucky could desperately use right now. Love his game. I am very, very, very happy with him. I, I would love for him to be kind of the, the fourth big in this class. I think that would be just absolutely terrific. Other guys of substance that Kentucky fans would care about, Brandon Huntley, Huntley Hatfield in 2022. I think Kentucky is, um, a, and I don't want to say a lock, but I think Kentucky is a runaway favorite at this point in time. He is physically dominant. There's no reason that he needs to to spend two more years in high school. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that I think 100% is going to reclassify, should reclassify, and is going to thrive in, in the class of 2021 if he so chooses. And I think if he does do that, he's going to end up at Kentucky. Uh, Musa Diabate, I thought he was he was very, very impressive. I don't know what – I don't know if, if he's a Kentucky guy uh, because I think they have uh, other guys in the class of 2021 that they're higher on in the front court. Um but I was impressed by him, Jairus Walker, another IMG kid. He was he was impressive. But DJ Wagner, guys, I'm telling you, if he doesn't go to the NBA um, by the time, because he's a 2023 kid, he may go the, the one and done rule by, very well may be over by then. That's a kid that Kentucky fans need to watch out for because he is a Kentucky lock if I've ever seen one. And that's a kid that is already taking the high school basketball world by storm. He is damn good. I'm telling you right now, he is very, very talented. The skill that he has, just his knack for scoring and, and how he's just able to find – easy opportunities to score it's just unreal i i've it's very very weird seeing a kid as young as he is you know like he's brawny's age and everybody's hyping up brawny and 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 what he brings to the table and you know the kind of the circus that comes with being lebron james son but dj wagner is is three times the player brawny is right now i mean i mean dj wagner is the truth he's going to be a very 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 impressive player uh, in the next several years and if and if the one and done rule uh, is not over by then, uh, or still still in place by then, and he or he just decides to go to the college, go the college route. He is going to be a Kentucky Wildcat. I'm I'm pretty darn certain of it, and that's going to be a big get for Kentucky when that when that time comes. So moving on from the Hoopal Classic, uh, we you know we already talked about it a good bit, but let's just kind of close close things out with the with the w- in in terms of just this segment uh, with the new the new rivals rankings. Terrence Clark came in. He he dropped a little bit and kind of got replaced in with with BJ Boston. BJ Boston's now number four. Uh, Clark is number five. Um, let me see the other rankings. I know Kentucky had. Give me just a second. I got him second right. yesterday. Me uh, too. Um, Boston four, Clark five, and you got. Um, Askew twenty six, Jackson Jackson twenty seven and. Uh, 
Cameron Fletcher was 41, I believe. 42. Lance, 42. Ware, Lance Ware is 32. So, so basically, Kentucky has two top five kids. They have four top 30 kids-ish, 20 or uh, 35, four top 35-ish kids. And then all six are top in, in the top 50. Um, I guess all six are in the top 42 since Cameron's in, in number 42. And, and five of the six are five stars. Right. And that's kind of the, that's the biggest takeaway is that, um, they, that they are very, very high on Lance Ware after this, this you know, latest jump. They, they were very, very impressed by him. So that's, that's definitely impressive. Uh, I mean, real quickly, David, give me your, uh, your overall takeaway with, with, uh, the, the rankings and, and, you know, do, do you think BJ deserved to make the jump over Terrence? What do you think about Devin's Devin and, and Isaiah's ranking? Do you think uh, Lance Ware should have jumped that high? Do you think Cameron Fletcher deserves to be where he is? What What are your just overall takeaways, real quick? I tell you what, I would hate to have the job of doing the rankings. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I think everybody can sit. Why well, this guy's too high? This guy's too low? And it, to me, it's about like criticizing referees. You know, if you get out there and have a whistle in your mouth, it's a whole different ball game. And uh, it's, I, I, it's really tough. Like you get in, for example, you know, if, with Lance and I, uh, excuse me, not Lance, but Devin and Isaiah. And if you'll take a look, you, you had some some guys uh, that like Timber Earl Timberlake and some others that mm-hmm. they just traded spots. Uh, I mean, if you look, you, you know, Devin, I think dropped four spots and there were four guys right behind him who moved up one or two. So they're yeah. just exchanging spots. And, and, you know, I've heard, we're talking with Eric Bossy a lot privately and he's like, man, people get tore up about a guy being ranked 14th. He said, do you know what the difference is in a guy being ranked 14th or 15th or a guy being ranked eighth? And he's like, there, there's not one. He's, you know, they're, they're just, you're basically, you know, uh, 12 and one, the dozen or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not to me. And I, I, I did a the story, uh, put it out last night on, on the new rankings. And I said, look, don't just don't worry about Isaiah and, and Devin dropping a ranking. Uh, you know, Terrence drops one, BJ Boston moves up in front of him. So I, I think fans would be pretty pleased, you know, if, if one's got to move in, that it's BJ. And I think fans are really pumped up over BJ making the top five. And then, uh, you know, Lance Ware getting that fifth star. Um, so I, I think all in all, those rankings are something that Kentucky fans can be very, you know, pleased about. And I think as it goes into the spring, they had players, you know, I've already done a story months ago that this was by quantity and quality, one of the top two or three classes already that John Calipari's had at Kentucky. Yeah. And um, now when it's even better now, because at that time, BJ Boston was in the teens and Lance Ware was a four star. So, you know, it's even went up from there. So, I mean, overall, it, this is, you know, a tremendous pl- class and, you know, it looks like it's only going to get better. Absolutely, Travis. Give me, give me your uh, your overall takeaway, the good and the bad. Overall takeaway for me is um, pulling up the rankings right now. There's a few moves that I really agree with. BJ Boston moving up. I was surprised he went up all the way to four. I thought he'd be in like the six to ten range, but I'm definitely not going to be mad about that. 
I like where Scotty Barnes is at, and I like how Jalen Suggs moved into the top ten. I still think Jalen Johnson is arguably a top five player. That there's just some behind the scenes stuff going on where, and he hasn't played for IMG and ended up transferring back to Nicolette. So, not really getting too much film on him. I wholeheartedly agree with Isaiah Todd's fall um, down from ten to fourteen. Um, talked about that when we were ranking them before. He hadn't shown yep. me too much and tries to be a guard too much. And I love that Caleb Love is now the third or the uh, fourth ranked point guard in this class. I really like his game a lot. And uh, like, I forget if it, was, if it was Eric Bossy or Corey Evans said that everybody in the range from like 26 to 32 is all interchangeable. And Lance Ware ended up coming in at 32. And he said that they just made the executive decision to give all of them five stars just because they're so comparable. Yeah. And um, I see uh, Cliff Amaru was a big jumper as well. He moved up 19 spots to 36. Yeah, he so was – He was. what, was he the and, second yeah, biggest – Was he the second biggest jump of any player? Uh, the biggest I've scrolled past so far. Yeah, uh, I, I think – 18. Somebody fell 21 spots. Somebody, uh, somebody in the 70s. Monty Wilkinson yeah. from Bishop Gorman uh, jumped 55 spots. Yeah, to, from what to what? Uh, oh, it's got to do math. Uh, 133 to That's 79. That's the one. Yeah, he he was the he was the guy that was a uh, uh, you know mid hundreds to the to the. Uh, 70s that I saw. In fact, that was the guy that um, David... That was a guy that I asked you about because Vanderbilt's in his top four, and I do some work with Vanderbilt as well, and he was in during his top four, and I asked you about him, if you'll remember. I sent you a text and you said, man, if Kentucky wasn't, uh, if he wasn't a Kentucky signee, I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Uh, that, that's a good That's a good eye for you. Um, um because uh, yeah, I was really had had no idea uh, that that they played Cliff, I believe. Um, I think they didn't they play Rose. They Catholic? did. They did. Uh, so I was watching the game just one hundred percent for Cliff. And then when you texted me that, I think it was like an hour later. I was like, shoot, I have no idea. And then I looked up his ranking. I was at the time it was like one hundred and thirty kid. I was like, oh shoot, dude, I have no idea. I wasn't even paying attention. So <laughs> so you hit you hit the nail on the head with that one. That was uh, you, well. I'll tell you another one, just to give you an example, while we're just kind of small talking on it. Um, Terrence drops, and sometimes, you know, it's 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 kind of goes hand in hand with what you said maybe about uh, Brewster, um, you know, not getting, you're not getting a chance to talk with him. Yeah. And the whole Brewster thing this year, you know, they've not been out there. Um, you've not seen a, a lot, because I asked, a teammate of his is Jamal Ashburn Jr. Right, and who has who has signed with Minnesota? And I asked um, uh, Corey last night. I said, "Can you give me just the most recent? If you've seen him in the last few weeks, the most recent scouting report on on Jamal and uh, something that's not a couple of months old?" And he says, "Look, I've, I've not got to see it." And, yeah. you know, Brewster's just, you know, for uh, to, to have guys like Terrence Clark, they've not been out there. And you look at Sierra Canyon and BJ, man, they're, you know, they've got national analysts looking at them every week. And I think they got to see BJ and his consistency. He's just done it over and over and over and over. And they've not got to see Terrence. So, you know, BJ, I think when it gets, you know, who's better? Well, we've got to see BJ more. 
this winter and and he's done it we've not got to see terrence so you know we're going to go that route now i think sometimes that has a big um a big uh a whole lot to do with it when uh it's just from exposure aspect of it yeah that's that's an absolute um it's definitely a great point yeah, it like it, I don't know. We weren't recording when we were talking about the Terrence thing, but um, why, during my Boston trip, I was trying to get in contact with them and go do a, a recruiting profile up in uh, up up in New Hampshire. I think it's like an hour and a half drive up from there, and and it was very difficult to get in contact with them. It's it's like um, they, they're a Brewster's a boarding school, so I, I you know I don't know if it's because they want to be structured, not to let a lot of media in, and kind of keep it you know keep keep those the the gates closed as much as possible um you know even with a top top five talent that that they have so it was very difficult i wish i was able to get in contact with them but we're still working on a phone interview shoot maybe maybe we'll be able to get him on i'll be able to use that phone interview for this podcast next week um but that's the goal i'm, I'm trying to get in contact with them but it's difficult um well with that why don't we i, I was going to talk a little bit about Khalil Whitney and his transfer decision, but um, David has to jump off first um, between the three of us. So let's get into. I asked for some some questions on Twitter, and we got a ton of good ones. So I just wanted to um, to get to those real quickly and let let David have an opportunity to answer some of those. So let's go to that um, first question. Well, this kind of ties into it. So did. This comes from Chris Adams. Uh, so, did the Whitney family just pull up with a U-Haul last Friday or just a big pickup truck? Um, <laughs> so, uh, obviously, a lot of people want to know about this Khalil Whitney thing, so we can at least just touch on it briefly before before you hop off. Um, Travis, what what do you know about the Khalil Whitney transfer and how kind of how it all unfolded? You can you can you can say what say what you want. You can withhold whatever information you want. I know I know we talked before that, you, that there's some stuff you don't want out there. But just just I'll, I'll give you the open floor to to say what you want. Uh, I've heard behind the scenes that well, for one, he wasn't really necessarily going to class. He was missing workouts and stuff. Um, it wasn't really necessarily his decision. It was people around him, his circle, uh, his AAU coach, his parents. Just to name a couple, from I've heard that from different sources, and yeah, I, I don't. I think his hands were kind of tied, and I think it comes back to he was improper, improperly ranked, and improperly scouted by Kentucky last year. I, I, he had no business ever being a top ten or top fifteen player. He is literally Cameron Fletcher, and I think Cameron Fletcher is going to have a more impactful freshman season than Khalil Whitney did because Cameron knows he will not be a one and done. And that he will, I think Cameron will buy into the rebounding and defensive stopper role yeah. in a back in a backup role. Um, he's not going to be called upon to do too much next year with the firepower UK will have at the wings. But I think that's the role that all people have implied that Khalil Whitney refused to take. Uh, David, do you know anything about uh, Khalil Whitney's decision to transfer? And if not, kind of what do you think it means for for the team moving forward? Well, I think as far as the team goes, that got answered Saturday. Um, I think – I don't even think they had to circle the wagons. I, I just think sometimes there's addition by subtraction. And, and I know this. I've, I've, I think anybody that's played sports, it doesn't have to be basketball. It could be Little League baseball. 
when you have somebody uh, that, that's not totally bought in, you know, even though you're having a good game, things look like they're going well, you're always watching that guy out of the corner of your eyes. It's like you're never, you're never free. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we saw Saturday that you, you have players that are totally, that they've totally bought in. I think that, you know, even like with Johnny Juzang, you know, he, he moved up from that ninth guy to that eighth guy. Yeah, and you know he's. We've been wondering about him. Well, he surpassed him. I don't know if that was the last straw. I don't know, but um, I think it's a team now with players embracing embracing the roles. They're playing for each other. They play hard. I thought Saturday in the toughest of circumstances, man, they got after it. That it was a big time game, a tough physical battle, and uh, man, this team's going to be just fine without him. Unless you know, you hope there's not an injury that might delete depth, but you know, it's not a grand slam that even if somebody got hurt, well, I wish we had Khalil Whitney, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about it, but you may still have to worry about it. Yeah. He may not have played any better. If you look at his numbers from the Louisville game on, I mean, I want to say I had either, I I had written this. I, I, I think he had something like, gosh, maybe four points in seven games or something like yeah, that. So, I mean, nice. you know, that, that, that's you're not going to miss much from that. And his box score plus minus was, like, really deep in the negative. And Kyle Tucker that tweeted that, and my mouth, I remember my jaw hit the floor when I read it. It was like, it was like maybe plus or minus in the last 77 minutes was, like, minus 33, or it may have been the other <laughs> way around. The last 33 minutes, I were minus 77, but yeah. it, it was a, it was just a crazy number. But something else I'd heard behind the scenes was that a couple of players, a couple or a few players um, had kind of pretty much let, let it be known with Khalil to either get with it or get lost, essentially. Like, they were tired of his attitude, the way he was handling things. And like I said, I don't think all that's Khalil's fault. I think that he was given a bad direction by some people. But, yeah, I think that a couple of players have had it with some of the stuff going on with him. Yeah. It, one thing I don't want, you know, to kind of get out there is, it, you know, I don't want it to seem like Kentucky pushed for this transfer, you know, that, that, that there was so much tension. Because what, what I will tell you, there was tension inside, the, inside the locker room. I think that there were, you know, as, as Travis kind of hinted at, like there were some, there was some tension about his work ethic and, and kind of, um, you know, the, the overall like general consensus was that he came into Kentucky assuming that he was going to be a one and done and kind of carried himself as a one and done and kind of went to class like a one and done and uh, kind of carried himself on the practice floor, floor like like a one and done and it was something that rubbed uh, rubbed people the wrong way whether it be players or coaches you know I don't want to get into specifics w- with that but it, it rubbed people the wrong way and people called him out on it uh, and um, I I don't know if that kind of jump started the okay well if you don't you know if you guys are gonna call me out on it then maybe I don't even need to be like I don't know if that's how it unfolded you know kind of the step by step process all I know is that there was some tension and it was not good and there was also some you know some difficulties on the other side of it with with. 
people, like Travis said, people close to Khalil that were in his ear quite a bit telling him that he was better than he uh, actually is and that he wasn't getting enough opportunities. And that kind of – there was just that dynamic – it was just clutter, 100% clutter that added to it. If he – like like Travis said, if he had realized, okay, maybe I wasn't ranked correctly. Maybe I am a two-year player. Maybe – you know, if, if he had understood his role and kind of accepted it as it is instead of, oh, shoot, as soon as I get in the game, I got to – I got to jack up a shot every single time I touch the ball. Oh, I gotta, I gotta just try to get mine. You know, if if he didn't have that mentality, then it probably would have unfolded better than it did. But it did not. I don't want to say it was an ugly breakup, but it was something that um, well, that it did not. Like it, you said. Oh, sorry. Go go for it. Like you said, um, Kentucky definitely did not want this breakup. Kentucky was all for for him returning, all for working everything out. And I've heard that from multiple people. And I thought it was funny a minute ago. You were talking about all the things he did like a one and done. He did everything like a one and done except play like one. Yep. And I think I think in his mind he thought he thought that the reason why he wasn't playing like a one and done was because he didn't have the opportunity to play like a one and done. And and it was just there's just so much back and forth, just just behind the scenes stuff that it's just it just it just didn't work out. Um I think it was a bad. I, I am gonna, you know, put it out there that I think it was a very bad decision. I think uh, he could have at least. I don't mind the decision to transfer if he really doesn't want. It. I, I don't. I still think he's gonna end up just going pro. I, I still don't know if he'll if he'll actually end up transferring. Um, but I, I just think it was a bad decision. I think, um, you know, I, I I like the kid. I respect. You know, I I understand where he's coming from in terms of wanting more opportunity and all that. I wouldn't. I. If I had that ranking and I came in and I didn't get the the opportunity that was handed to me, I'd probably be a little upset. But there has to be some 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 leeway with it. There has to be some push and pull with it. You got to at least provide that that effort to to at least show that you deserve those those opportunities. You know, there's a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes, and it's it's just a difficult decision and and situation all around. I wish him the best. I spoke to an individual yesterday who's very experienced in these kind of things. And he told me, he said, Khalil, a year a year ago, had a million options, and he has cut his options drastically. Yeah. If a lot of what's being said is true, you know, he's 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 um, he's cut them down. You know, I, I know that John Calipari, you know, I've, I've I've read where he told him, he said, look, if this is what you're going to do, you better succeed. I hope you do, and you better succeed because, you know, he's he's definitely going about it with a uh, you know, to leave at the end of January. I mean, he's definitely going with it through a very unorthodox approach. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it, – it, there's really no positive to this decision at all unless his end goal is to enter the NBA draft, which he will not get drafted. Like, I mean, I, there's nothing he could do that sh- that that would that would show that he would, he would get drafted at this point. Uh, I think the the best route for him would be to transfer to a team like Illinois where he could get, you know, if he if he's a guy that just wants that just wants shots, then go to a place where he can get shots. Go to an Illinois, go to a Georgetown, go go somewhere like that. He can he can he can do that at, at several of the, you know, still a high major but not not a blue blood blue blood program. Well, he, he can do Brad that. Underwood doesn't seem to me like a guy that's going to coddle. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, he, like you, you bring, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, he, he probably burned a lot of bridges with, by quitting on this team midway through the season. Cause that's, that's exactly what he did. His it's, 
uh, you know, maybe like this Vandy game. He this could have been an opportunity for him to for Kentucky to get a you know 15, 20 point lead early in the second half, and Calipari basically go, all right, Khalil, this is your time. You wanted you wanted minutes. You're playing the rest of the game, whether you, you know you're good or bad. Make sure this team doesn't sink. Let's let's try to get you in here and, and get minutes. This would have been the perfect opportunity for him, and he decided to quit before he could even get that chance. You know, it's just very very difficult, very very tough. I uh, wish him well. Uh, it just didn't work out, and that's all right. We will we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, real quickly, uh, David, while we're on this topic, um, I, I know you talked to some people up in the Northeast. The, uh, so, some people asked. In fact, let me. I'll, I'll, while you're talking, I'll, I'll see exactly who asked the question. But people asked about whether or not this decision uh, affects um, – in fact, we'll say uh, Kentucky Blue 4L says, do you think Khalil's departure could ap- affect Omarui's decision? And, uh, all, you know, at, outside of that, maybe Jonathan Kaminga or other guys in the Northeast, do you think this affects that decision? You know, Lance Ware and his, his decision already you know, signed, does this affect that at all? I talked to several people in the New York City and New Jersey area yesterday who, who have knowledge of certain recruitments and even talked to uh, um, Clifford's uh, guardian and uh, Muhammad Oliver. And I'll start with, with his conversation. And let me say this all together. I was amazed at how much I didn't have to drag anything out of it. It was like they wanted to talk about it. And uh, Clifford's um, guardian, Muhammad, told me, he kind of laughed. I said, look, I hate to ask a question like this. I know it's a tough one. And he laughed. And he said, man, I thought you were going to ask me something bad or something hard. He said, that's the easiest question you'll ever ask me. (laughs) He's like, this has got no bearing whatsoever. He made the decision. Khalil made the decision he had to make. uh, And Clifford will make the decision that he had to make. He said they are friends. So let me say this from talking to them in the past. I don't think, obviously, they play at Roseville Catholic together, but I don't think that um, that's going to be an issue where uh, they're going to be best men at each other's weddings. Yeah, I, I think they had a player relationship, but I, you know, and they're friends, but I don't think they're you know best friends. And in Coach Calipari too has done uh, a lot of clinics and stuff at Roselle Catholic. So you know, he's raised, uh, you know, doing that's helped raise a lot of money for that school. So um, I, I think there's probably, and you never know, maybe it has been tainted by this. But I think there's a still that good relationship with, with Roselle Catholic and, and Coach Calipari. And definitely, I don't think it, it hurts uh, with Clifford from what I what, what they told me. Um, but I also talked with some people around the New York City area that, that are well-known and who know these players, and they said this, and they're right. And, and, and let me say this. John Kamingo and Lance Ware are not in a situation where they're that, that tight with, with, with uh, Khalil Whitney and they're going to listen. Yeah. And um, they said this. Um, they said all of these players – believe that hey let's say and he said i tell guys all the time look if you go to kentucky you go to north carolina you go to duke you go to kansas they're not going to stop recruiting they're going to bring get just because you signed they're going to keep bringing players in and it's a battle for competition every day and his statement was and he's right these alpha players always think and it's what makes them special well that's not going to happen to me 
no matter who they bring yeah. in, they're not going to beat me out. Right. And that's true. That is the, that's what they believe. And he said, so a John Kaminga, a Lance Ware, that's not going to phase them. And, but like I said, besides that, they weren't that close anyway. And, and then he also talked about, he said, and I knew this, there were over 800 players in transfer portal last year in Division One. And, and you think about it, out of 353 teams, out of 13 scholarships, you know, you're looking at roughly, uh, gosh, uh, I don't know, maybe 4,500, 5,000 players in all, and that's counting the seniors. Uh, there were over 800 Division One transfers. And um, so, you know, Duke, um, North Carolina, Kentucky, they're, 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 this, these are not the first guys to transfer. Right. You know, and it's not hurt them. They keep getting players. So, in a nutshell, you know, I've been assured, and I, I believe it 100%, that this is not going to have a negative impact. And and one guy told me, he said, look, the only problem it could cause is that if those, are, if Khalil or somebody around him, family member, whatever, really were upset about this and had a vendetta against Kentucky and wanted to talk some players out of it. But um, from, from you know, people that I've talked to that are close to these guys, uh you know, I, I don't think that would give it much of a listen anyway. So I, I just don't see much coming out of it. Well, uh, David, do you do you have to go anytime soon? Or Yeah, yeah, I probably need to run here, man. All right, well, uh, Travis and I will stay on, but David, we appreciate you jumping on with us. And, uh, and, hey, no problem. And, and, and talking with us, we'll, we'll be back with you next week. Sounds good. And hopefully here in the next few weeks, man, if I can make it through November and not have a Travis breakdown. I'll be. All, I mean, uh, February, and, and get this thing over with during the season. I knew it's going to be hectic right now, but I appreciate you guys working with me. Absolutely, no problem at all, man. We will have you back on next week, and we look forward to it. Man. Okay, sounds good. All See right, you. see you, buddy. See you, David. See you, Travis. All right, and now, wow, uh, Travis, we can uh, we can just keep on running through these questions if you want. Does that work? Yeah, let's do it. All right, brother. Um, all right, well, let's just rapid fire this thing. From our friend Jimmy Williams, our favorite. The dude is awesome. We, we love him to death. Uh, he asks, do you think Richard's recent transformation would give Montgomery any hesitation to stay one more year? Um, I will answer that quickly. I am here to tell you that the staff went into the season assuming that that no matter no – matter, kind of no matter how it unfolded that both players would be gone. Uh, in fact – on Richard specifically, I think Calipari said on his uh, call-in show on Monday, he said something along the lines of Nick Richards is going to graduate and kind of slid in the fact he said he's going to graduate and something, something, something uh, before he goes to the NBA. So I, I don't know if, if, if he meant to you know be as blunt as he was and, and kind of admitting that Nick is already penciled in for the NBA. But if you're watching him play right now, it's very obvious that he's going to the NBA no matter what. He is – you know, I would argue he's SEC Player of the Year right now, so that's that's a done deal. But regarding Montgomery specifically, uh, Travis, what what are you hearing with that? I still lean Montgomery leaving, but I think that Richard's transformation alongside him in the post would give him more incentive to return than he had coming uh, than he had coming into the season. I think, like you said, I think at the beginning of the year that people around Kentucky's program penciled him in as somebody that was going to be gone regardless. But I think 
I think toward the end of the season, I think you're going to see a different side of EJ Montgomery. I still think he's going to turn it on for a stretch of games and just show some upside and gun to my head. I think he leaves. That's my exact, that's my exact thoughts on it. I think, yes, he's, and I think Calipari said even, even in that, that, um, Colin show, he said, we're getting like six minute runs out of him where he plays like flawless basketball. He's rebounding. He's, you know, boxing out. He's being tough. He's, he's, you know, hitting some tough shots. He's, he's starting to, you know, have these little tiny short spurts of greatness. But he was like, you know, we'll have, we'll see six minutes here and then 20 minutes he'll, he'll either be on the bench or, or, or just be in the game and not, not play well. And then like six minutes at the end of the game, he'll go, oh, shoot. You know, we need I, the team needs me to turn it on, and I'm going to turn it on for the final six minutes, and then he'll so he'll start the game really well, end the game really well, but the time in between he will be completely invisible. And Calipari said that is what we are focused on. He was like, man, we're getting about six minutes right now of of you know of of really really impressive play out of him. If we can even push that to like 20 for right now, just 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 get us to 20 uh, as our first as our first stop. Then we'll then we'll talk from there, and I think I think the the staff is kind of uh, betting on EJ to take that next step up because I mean like we saw against Texas Tech, he had really really impressive his start to the game. He was he was phenomenal. He was doing everything right on both ends of the floor. He just kind of he just kind of turned invisible there for a while, and I think the staff is betting on him finding that consistency for you know longer stretches and six minutes at a time. I think that they're banking on him him becoming that player that. Uh, that we kind of thought he would be going into the season, uh, so that's kind of where I am with them. I with that, I agree. I think Kentucky, uh, until I'm told otherwise, I think Kentucky's going to lose all three of EJ, Nick, and uh, Nate at the end of this year, and they will have to replace them accordingly. Um, well, this is kind of vague, but McElroy, uh, Colin McElroy says, if you had to predict the most likely scenario with this class closing out, who would it be? Uh, just Travis, be be real vague with this, and then we'll because uh, because some other people talk about players in particular. But real quickly, well, how do you think the the class ends? I think they had two more bigs, one being a grad transfer, and one be and the other one being a either high school senior or, or a high school reclass. Okay, well, if you're gonna say that, who who do you think that who do you think that option could be? Maybe not grad transfer because that's a little bit early. Yeah, grad but, transfer, you won't nobody will know until the spring really who's gonna pop up on that radar. But um, Give me your one, but your one, your one high school guy. Reclassification. I know UK is working hard at getting uh, Paulo to reclassify. Yeah, that's that what I want you to say. Option one A, and that's they. I think the way I understand it is UK's biggest wants right now are Paulo and a grad transfer down low. And if those two don't work out, I mean, of course they would take a Greg Brown, but I don't. Gun to my head, I don't think Greg Brown comes to Kentucky. Okay. Um, Cliff Amaru could be an option. Uh, Frank Kepnang could be an option, despite his guardian tell him, telling me that um, he wasn't going to be a re- reclassification candidate. Um, not questioning uh, what he was telling me in any way, but you know how that stuff goes. Yeah. And plus, people on UK's side are like, hey, well, this could be a guy to watch out for. So. Right. Yeah. I would, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say they get Paolo. I, I'm going to, you know, I, I know I've been going back and forth with, with when he does come, I, I've I've said on the last several episodes. Is that going to be Peach Jam? 
yes, yeah, I think it'll I think it'll be Peach Jam. I've been saying over the last several episodes that I think he's going to end up at Kentucky no matter when he goes. Uh, and I don't think it's a it's a done deal. I'm not saying oh he's he's a Kentucky lock no matter when it happens. Kind of like I, I was saying with like DJ Wagner guys like that, um, or you know Brandon Huntley Hatfield or anything. But as of today, I think Kentucky is the is the leader and. I'm going to go ahead and say because of how hard they're working at it and, and just playing the odds, I think I think there's going to be a day that Paolo realizes, uh, you know, after talking to, to Devin Askew's dad this this last week and talking to him about the reclass process and kind of what the, the pros and cons that come with it, um, it, it kind of it, it kind of shed some clarity on it in terms of kind of what we've been talking about a lot in the past and just, okay, yeah, do you want to go to prom? Does every kid want to go to prom? Absolutely. Does every kid want to be a McDonald's kid? Absolutely. Does everybody want to be, you know, do the high school thing, the right, you know, the, you know, go for another state championship? Does everybody, you know, all of that stuff is all well and good. But I think when it comes down to it with Paolo, I think he's going to look at himself in the mirror and go, I am way too good to play another year in high school. And as much as I value the the senior activities and all that stuff that I would get, and as much as I value being the number one, the number one player in the class of 2021, which that's an he he has told us on this podcast that he's he's actively looking to to be the number one player in the class of 2021. Even with all of that stuff, I think at the end of the day he's going to look at himself in the mirror and go, "Man, I can be one step closer to the NBA if I reclass. I can be one year away from the NBA if I make the jump." I, I just think I just think at the end of the day uh, it's going to be too much to turn down. He's going to end up doing it. I'm just going to gun to my head. I'm going to say that's that's what he does. And yeah, I agree. I think I think they're going to probably go for a grad transfer first, knowing that Cliff is a guy they kind of have in their back pocket. Um, I think Cliff is a, is a guy that they can get at any stage if they really push hard for him, and that they're gonna they're gonna explore their other options, knowing that Cliff is gonna decide kind of you know relatively last minute, and uh, and they'll go, they'll go grad transfer in Palo first, and then kind of see how it unfolds from there. Um, uh, real quick, a uh, note on Paulo real quick. Um, you were talking about how he said on here before that he wanted one of his goals was to be the number one player in the twenty twenty one class. He got closer to that yesterday as the new rivals 150 came out for 2021, and uh, Apollo is now up to second. He moved up from fourth to second, and Jonathan Kaminga is sitting in front of him at one. And everybody knows Jonathan Kaminga is there's it's really on the table for him to go to college this upcoming year. So Apollo could be the de facto number one player when it's all said and done. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very good point. Uh, David Wood asks us if Oklahoma State fires Boynton because of their terrible year so far and winless in the Big 12. Do you think Cal, Coach Cal asks Kate if he wants to come to Kentucky then? Uh, he's going uh, yeah. I mean, to. I mean, he, he'll ask. I, I mean, yeah, the uh, best player in high school basketball right now, arguably. I I think that you've been all fences there. I, I don't even know how, how the relationship is between Kentucky and their camp. But yeah. obviously, you take because if you have paid BJ Boston and Terrence Clark on the team, you're t- you're speaking the forty and O terms again. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Kate Kate is the number. He he jumped up to number one for a reason. He's the number one player in the class for you know, just in, in terms of of pure dominance. He's that guy. Um, but. He signed. I, I will say that, so it's not going to be as easy. I know. I know things get a little tricky when when head coaches are fired and all that. But I just don't see a scenario where they fire their head coach knowing that they have the number one player in the country coming next year. I think if 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 they 
it, you know, when Cade comes and if they have a just a nightmare season next year, that's when I think they start talking, you know, firing and all that. And unless unless notice of allegation comes and, and things get serious on that front, that's something that I think you know that that'll kind of change the dynamic of it and all that. But as of today, I just don't see a scenario where Cade ends up back at Kentucky. I just don't. I think I think uh, you know Cal Perry went all in on that opportunity, decided to. You know, they knew that they were able to get Devin Askew. They had him in their back pocket and said, "Screw it, let's just go, let's go, go for it." They came really, really close. I think they finished number two without even thinking twice. I think uh, I'm certain that they came number two. It was a close second, but at the end of the day, he wanted to stay with family. And uh, what are you gonna do? Uh, anything on Sky oh. Clark or DJ Wagner uh, from? Hey, e- real quick, e- real quick on uh, Cade, real quick. Okay. Uh, the Mike Boynton situation, I think, is much different than the Shaka Smart situation. I think there's a mutual understanding between Shaka Smart and Texas. And I think Shaka is just wanting a fresh start somewhere else. That's kind of some rumblings I've heard behind the scenes. But, like you said, unless the NCAA comes down on Ohio State, they're not going to get rid of Boynton next year. Knowing the media fiasco that's going to be surrounding Kate Cunningham, because yeah. that's the best thing that Oklahoma State has had since Barry Sanders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, yeah, like like I said, David Wood asks or uh, Ethan G asks about anything on Sky Clark or DJ Wagner. I already talked about DJ Wagner. I think he uh, is w- one of the best class of twenty twenty three kids I've seen so far. He's a superstar in the making. I think he's one hundred percent going to Kentucky if that. If he does go to college, he'll be a, he'll be a wildcat. Uh, Travis, you've been all over the Sky Sky Clark stuff. We've mentioned in the past that we're feeling pretty good about Kentucky's chances with that, but uh, you know, kind of take that a step further. Why? Are, what makes you confident about Kentucky's chances with with Sky? Yeah, I've got a really good relationship with Sky's dad, Kenny. Um, me and him chop it up a lot. Um, he, they are visiting. There, it kind of sucks for them. We were talking about this last night. Me and Kenny were. It kind of sucks for them. They're visiting on the tenth, and there's. Uh, they were going to visit for the Vanderbilt game tomorrow, but there was a scheduling conflict due to one of his games. So he rescheduled for February 10th, and there's not a game on that day. Oh, so yeah. they're still excited for it, of course, but um, UK has told them that, like, oh, it's just a completely different feel whenever there's a game going on. But, yeah, Sky, I feel great about Kentucky's chances. If Kentucky w- pushes for Sky hard, I think they get Sky either for 2021 or 2022. I think reclassification is definitely on the table for him. And as of right now, if you look at the guys UK is recruiting in the upcoming classes, Sky Clark, Jane Hardy, et cetera, they're electric scorers. Um, Sky's averaging 26 points through 23 games and has like 12 games. His dad said he's got like 12 games with 30 points or more. And this is in Southern California where it's stiff competition. And Jane Hardy's averaging, what were we saying, Jack? Like like 32, 32 a game or something like that. If. If Sky's your point guard and uh, Jaden's your shooting guard, that's an electric scoring backcourt. Both natural scorers built to score the basketball. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah but, uh, recruiting-wise, I feel great with uh, UK's positioning with uh, Sky Clark. They're just waiting on an offer now. Yeah, I think that is something that that they will be discussing uh, on this visit, and I would not be surprised if UK pulls the tr- pulls the trigger on that at all. Uh, Chase French asks, what are, you know, the, the big question, what are UK's chances with Greg Brown now that Shaka Smart might be on his way out with, uh, and with Memphis losing plus not having any other recruits signed for next year, is UK ahead of Auburn? 
uh, and then I think Walker Walk thirty five says this um, along with Khalil leaving. Greg plays more wing and hybrid three four anyway. Uh, we honestly need need Greg and Cliff for real thoughts. So yeah, it kind of goes uh, hand in hand. Those questions go go together. Um, yeah, I don't think that Texas is the leader anymore. I know some of the national guys have said that, but um, I, I can, can kind of continue that sentiment, I think. That, and I'm not saying that they're not a, a contender. I still think that they are a very strong contender. But I think the writing's on the wall a little bit that Shaka might be there, might not be there. And I think his dad, is he's explicitly said in the past that if, if Shaka's not there, they will not be. So that's something that, that is definitely uh, – definitely prominent in, in, you know, this, this situation, but I do think that Memphis is still in very, very strong position. Um, what I will say is if Memphis doesn't land another top recruit, and I don't think that, that they're going to get Jalen green anymore after my conversations, uh, at the hoop Hall classic with people close to him, I do not think that that Memphis is going to land him. Um, I think he is more likely to go either overseas or play for a school like, uh, in Oregon or something like that. I don't think, I don't think USC is an option anymore either. I've got a future cast in for him to Auburn. I think Auburn. I think Auburn is good, and that would really hurt if he ended up going to Auburn because I think that would make uh, it very enticing for Greg Brown to go to Auburn and play with Sharif Cooper and Jalen Green. So uh, I think Kentucky fans need to root for Jalen Green to end up at a school. Uh, you know what, fans? Kentucky fans just need to go. Need to root for him to go overseas at this point. That's kind of that would be the best scenario for Kentucky regarding a. He doesn't go to Memphis. Uh, B. He doesn't join. You know, it doesn't spark. You know, a reason for for Greg Brown to go to Auburn or or whatever. Um, him going overseas would kind of just uh, allow uh, allow him to um, you know let other things fall into place because I don't know if Greg Brown would want to go to a school like Auburn without another premier guard like you know I know Sharif is is phenomenal but um you get what I'm saying I I think I think th that trio would be much more enticing than that duo and I think I'll say, I'll say this uh I'll disagree with you on the rooting for overseas uh ordeal and I'll explain why there is not one single player that is like Jalen Green in college basketball this year <laughs> and college basketball is solely missing players all right like that's fair that's fair and, and just like the electricity that he brings, just his dunks is like he looks like a young Kobe out there sometimes. Like at the same stage, and I hate saying that. Rest in peace, Kobe, one hundred percent. But I've I've heard some scouts say he looks like a young Kobe. Some ex players say he looks like a young Kobe, and he's he's just scratching the surface. But yes, if because I think right now, if I was handicapping it, and this could completely flip flop throughout the next few weeks, um, I think Memphis leads for Greg Brown. Um, like I said, I've got a future cast in for Jalen Auburn, but I think that with, if Texas is out of the picture, then I think Auburn is second for Greg Brown and Kentucky's third. Kentucky could jump up to second, maybe even first, a long, long way, but as of right now, that's how I would handicap it, and yeah, a team featuring Sharif Cooper, Jalen Green, and Greg Brown would be absolutely terrifying. I, yeah, I think that's a really good I, – I would say something that is really, really benefiting Kentucky in the timeline of all this is that Greg Brown has said over and over again he is in not he is not in a rush at all in terms of this, in, in this decision-making process. He will wait until the very, very last second to make a decision because he wants to see where other guys go. He wants to see who goes to the NBA. He wants to see transfers and all that. So if 
like we were talking about, if Jalen goes to Oregon or UCLA, whatever, if he goes elsewhere, that's not Memphis or, you know, you know, a, a school that, that Greg Brown's not going to, it could, you know, flip something for him and say, okay, maybe I want to go to a Kentucky where and, I can join elite talent. And once again, I bring it back to if I think a lot of this stems on Mike Miller may very well be at Memphis next year, but I've heard a bunch of rumblings throughout the whole entire season that he might not be at Memphis. I've also heard rumblings that this week that a lot of people are starting to view Memphis as a glorified AAU program. I don't know if that's enticing to Greg or what, but apparently their, practice, their practices are just pick up half the time. Penny uh, and Mike Miller play against them. It kills their confidence. Um so I think there's certain leaks where everything's just not peachy over there uh, uh, at Memphis. And it, you you hit to- you're, you're exactly right because I, I talked to at least one one parent in particular that was you know slightly involved with Memphis at, at least at one I'm not going to say who um, but was was involved with Memphis at one point in time and has very slowly basically said yeah this is it, you know it's it's a circus you know he he said shit show was hit. that was the exact the exact wor- wording of it but basically said that th- it was not going the way that they kind of anticipated it happen and i know james wiseman left and it's kind of created a whole um a whole new dynamic of it but it is not going the way that they anticipated and the the rumors of mike miller leaving after this year are 100 percent 100% out there um and he is their lead rec- i mean he is a phenomenal phenomenal recruiter he's at every single event um great great you know really connects well with the players so that would be a massive loss for them and you know just the fact that the season is not going the way they planned James Wiseman not sticking around NCAA you know seemingly watching their every move it's it's just a recipe that it could have worked in an ideal world if James Wiseman stuck around blah 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 but it's just it I just don't see this unfolding uh in a positive way that that uh that the elite, the fact that they're not even get, that they're not even in conversation with a lot of the elite guys for next year. I think you know, I think Greg Brown and and Jalen Green are the only two main guys that they're that they're in on heavy, and it's you know, there's a chance that they don't land either. So um, this this whole experiment could end very very poorly. Um, it's just it, it it'll be a very interesting dynamic to see how it all unfolds in the in the coming months. Um, next question. Um, is there any other potential 2021 recruits who could reclass and join 2020 other than Banchero and Kaminga? That comes from comes from Nick Card- Mick Cardell. Um, Travis, what do you think? I know we've talked about Ban- Banchero and uh, and Kaminga loosely. You know, I don't know if we're either of us think that that's a realistic option that much at this point in time. But uh, is there anybody else you're, you're you've heard is an option? Uh, Jaden Hardy will not be a reclassification candidate, uh, according to his coach. That, uh, whenever I talked to him, like uh, a few months ago, he said that he just Jaden wasn't gonna be a 2020 kid. Uh, a lot of people talked about uh, Musa Sisse possibly reclassifying, but then again, he's like 16. Yeah, uh, I think he could definitely play. I think he'd be, but like like I said, it comes down to age. I think the most realistic option. I only think it's on the table. Um, like I, like I talked about earlier, according to his guardian, was Frank Kepnang. But if he if you need like an option, if you get down like option E or F, like Kentucky's gotten to the past couple of years, whenever they struck out on their big men, yeah, um, I think Frank is a guy that you would definitely give a call to because he's just 
you know what you get from him when, when he's on the floor. Uh, you're going to get defense, rebounding, and putbacks. And he's he gives you that automatically. Yeah, I think Musa Diabate is could potentially reclass, but I just don't know if Kentucky is a legitimate suitor for him at this point. Yeah, I point. talked to his I talked to his uh, guardian. Um, I want to say about a little over a month ago. It was a little bit before Christmas, and he was saying that yeah, they're really looking at 2020, but UK hasn't reached out to them in regards to 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So, and which if they're if which makes me think that they're feeling confident with other options if they're not going to reach out to them for 2020, um, because it, you know a guy that that says yeah I'm I'm really interested in going and jumping a year and they need option they need guys for that year why wouldn't they so uh, that yeah that's interesting we will um, I, I just don't see that as, as an option as of today um, but we'll, we'll we'll see in the coming in the coming months. Um, any more news on Brandon Huntley Hatfield reclass news or just about the recruitment as a whole that comes from Ethan Paul. I mentioned that uh, a little bit before I'm feeling, I, I heard something while I was up at the hoop hall this weekend that made me think that Kentucky was the runaway favorite for, uh, for Huntley Hatfield, no matter when he comes. And I do think he'll end up reclassing to 2021. Um, but I, I did hear that, that Kentucky was, was feeling very, very, very good about their chances. And I think, uh, I don't want to say it's a lock, but there are people on both sides of the aisle that are basically saying right now, like, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and kind of pencil him in as a as a very 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 serious option for them. So I would be very I'd be relatively shocked if he ended up anywhere other than Kentucky at this point in time. I know I know it's still relatively early. You know he's still a 2021 at best. He'll end up being a 2021 kid. So we have a whole a whole year of of news before. Um, before he kind of takes that next step. So we'll see, but I feel very good about Kentucky's chances. Is that kind of what you're hearing about uh, Huntley Hatfield? Yeah, I've, I've felt confident about UK's chances for a while. I think Ole Miss is a school that will uh, have a good shot with him. I think Memphis will be there, and I think Baylor will be there. I think those three along with Kentucky, I would say, are his top four. He hasn't been quoted as saying such, but – if I were to put handicap the race, those would be the four favorites. And I've been really on teetering on putting in a future cast on rivals for him to UK. But I just haven't pulled the trigger yet. Yeah. I want to talk to a few more people and give it a few more months. But I've been thinking about it. So that tells you how serious I am about it. Pull the plug. Do it. I, I dare Right now, you. the two players I have going to Kentucky. Here, let me pull, let me pull up my future cast real quick. I've got Jaden Hardy. Future, uh, future cast to Kentucky. We will talk got, about him in a second. I, got, I saw he started getting some, uh, some, uh, what are they called? Oh, the crystal balls on twenty four seven. He got yep. he got an influx of them to Kentucky this year or uh, this week. I mean, um, if DJ Wagner had a, had an offer, I would give him. I would one hundred percent give him a future cast and. Whenever Sky Clark gets an offer, I will give him a future cast to UK as well. I would agree with all of the above. Um, let's see. Um, Matthew Zola, does Khalil Whitney's transfer impact anyone else? No. Um, UK Shane, 
Are there any news on big uh, on Big Cliff? Uh, we need one, a big guy, one more. We actually need two more. Um, and like we said, I think Kentucky's in a great position if they actually want to be in great position. If they if they actively go after him, I think that they do get him. I just think that they feel pretty confident about other guys that are kind of higher up on their list. Um, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he ended up in Kentucky's recruiting class. I just think it it all depends on how how it all unfolds with with some of the other guys uh, a little higher ranked and in the class of 2021 and potentially you know if a guy like Kerry Blackshear comes along they're obviously going to favor favor that elite um, grad transfer as well. Um, Tyler Harris. Any updates on Greg Brown or Sharif O'Neal? Um, we talked about Greg Brown, but I will say Sharif O'Neal. They had he was a guy that I think Kentucky would have, would have been able to lock up instantly last year if they if they if they actively recruited him and, and really wanted him um, when when he was a recruit or I guess that was two years ago at this point I can't remember when when exactly yeah I guess it'd be two years ago um, when he decommitted from Arizona Kentucky 100% had the opportunity to get him they did not go after him at all. Um, and you know, after his heart issues and some of that, you know, you know, it sucks for the kid because, you know, that's, that's very serious, but I just don't know if that's a risk that Kentucky wants to, wants to take. Um, you know, maybe it's a guy that they go shoot. We have all these extra roster spots. We've been, we brought on a baseball player for goodness sake. Why the hell would we not bring on Shaq's son? Um, but I just don't see that being the, the, an ideal, um, match for right now, uh, Travis. Do you think? Do you think that would? That's a possibility. No, I would give it a ninety-nine percent chance that he doesn't end up at Kentucky. Uh, a couple of schools I've seen floated around are Michigan, which I don't know about their their scholarship uh, situation right now because I know the right now I have them probably adding Josh Christopher I as agree. well, and they've already got a loaded class plus a lot of returnees. And I've heard Houston mentioned by a couple of people, but I don't. I don't really have the inside any inside information with that. That's just name or schools have been thrown around. I will say if Isaiah Todd goes pro, I would pencil him pencil in Sharif O'Neal. Um, that's a great point with, with, with that class, because that, I mean, it'd be a part of that, that that's something that like Jawan Howard would be 100% desperate to get a guy like, like, you know, Shaq's son to, you know, it, you know, because of what Isaiah Todd's going to bring to the table, at least in terms of just fan interest, think of, you know, they'll, they'll be missing out on that if he goes pro, but they could easily get that with a guy like Shaq's son. You know, I think that would be, uh, I think that'll be that would be a solid match, but yeah, the the initial rumblings before he even announced his transfer um, were that that he was planning on joining uh, Josh Christopher and um, Isaiah Todd up in Michigan. So we will see how that unfolds, but I do not see Kentucky being the landing spot. Jacob McKinney asks, "All the Kaminga news you have, please." Um, well, <laughs> uh, there, that's kind of a loaded question, but I. I'm starting to operate under the assumption that, that he's kind of a Duke lock at this point. Um, you know, I, I it kind of sucks because I think he is the number one guy in, in the nation regardless of class. I think he, he just – he brings a lot to the table, um, you know, that, that UK could desperately, desperately use. I just think that – um, you know, Kentucky's still going to pursue. They're still visiting him, visiting him several times. They they still think that they have a shot. But um, some of the some of the speculation behind the scenes is that that Duke has made up significant ground, and that they've kind of established it, itself as the as the favorite at this point. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say well, Duke, no at this point. Oh, uh, Duke, there for a while. 
seemed to fade because they kind of pushed for a commitment, never got it. Mm. And they're like, all right, well, we're not going to waste, waste our time. Uh, we're going to take these other guys. And now it's like I'm hearing from a couple of different people that nobody really knows for certain because they keep it tight, uh, tight-lipped like David Sisk has talked about. But I've heard uh, a couple of people that would know they're close to Jonathan that uh-huh. – if Duke has the roster spots, which you 1,000% make a roster spot for a dude like Kaminga, I don't care if you tell your worst player he's going off scholarship, you make room for Kaminga, that he would be a Duke lock. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's like that's like telling Cade, uh, sorry, guy, sorry, man, we, we took a commitment from, from uh, you know, whoever. Like, yeah, sorry, we can't do that. We, 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 we got to turn you down. It's like, no. If if a guy like Jonathan Kaminga opens, you know, says, "Hey, I want to come down," there's no way you say no. I think that was just a dumb, dumb decision on their part, and I think they're starting to slowly realize how dumb, dumb of a decision it was, because it seems like they are picking up a little bit of the momentum with it. I still wouldn't be surprised if LSU is a serious. And I'm not saying that Kentucky is out of it at all. I still think that they're a Texas top. Tech also. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Kentucky with with LSU, Duke, and Texas Tech. I'd say that those are kind of the top uh, four. I've heard top Auburn four as options. Well. I've heard Auburn. Yeah. Is, uh, very. Is very high up on his list. And yeah. good God, dude! If the people that we mentioned earlier, no way. To Auburn, if you act into that, Jesus. Let's n- let's not even let's not even go down that path because that yes, that would be absolutely filthy, and I just don't even want to entertain a scenario where that happens. Um, Justin Tucker is Jaden Hardy the next big superstar with guys like Zion, John Wall, AD, and Andrew Wiggins. Well, while we're while we're talking about Hardy, yeah, while, while we're talking about Hardy, let's talk about his recruitment and just who he is as a player. So, Travis, what, what were you saying? Well, in in terms of the question about star power, I don't think he's going to possess the type of star power that Zion has, or these other guys that are bigger frame guys that just rip down the rim every single time. And I think he, I think the perfect player comparison for. Jaden Hardy is Bradley Bill. Yep. I think that's, I think he's Bradley Bill with a higher college ceiling because he was better than Bradley Bill at this stage, in my opinion. I think he scores the ball from all three levels better than Bradley did. And he would be the best scorer coming out of of high school that Cal's arguably ever had at Kentucky. I'm telling you, when I saw Jaden in person out in Vegas, I was like, (laughs) there is no doubt in my mind Kentucky has to get this kid. Like, has to get this kid. And I, as of what you know, everything I've heard, I think you know Kentucky. We we talked about Kentucky picking up Cristobal picks and all that. But I mentioned on the podcast when I met with Hart, met with Jaden out in in Vegas when I saw him practice, saw him watch Kentucky practice. You know, sat with his coach, sat with his dad. After that meeting, I came away thinking there is no way in hell he ends up anywhere other than Kentucky. I just, I just the everything that I, um, everything that I, I. Everyone that I talked to, everything that I saw with my own two eyes, everything told me this is 100% um, going to be going to be Kentucky. So, um, you know, is is Bradley Beal was a five star kid coming out of high school when he when he signed with Florida. He was a superstar for Florida. He was a, a lottery pick at Florida for that reason. Or I get what didn't he go number three? Wasn't he a top three pick? Um, I'm pretty pretty certain he was a top three pick to to the Wizards, but no no matter how you know 
how that unfolded. That is, you know, that's a great player comp, and and Bradley Beal was a star, and I think Jaden Hardy would be a star at Kentucky. Um, so it just depends on your definition of a star. Is he the, you know, is he Zion level? I wouldn't say so, but I, you know, there's still something to be said to be a guy like Bradley Beal, to, you know, to be a, a top five level draft pick like I think he would be better than Tyrese Maxey is right now I think he'd be better than I I think he'd put up numbers like what Malik Monk did maybe even you know you know that level of of just being able to put flat out put the ball in the hoop from from anywhere on the floor that is who Jaden Hardy is so um, it just depends on your definition of superstar. If you think that is a superstar, a guy that you know was Malik Monk a superstar in your eyes? Maybe. I mean, that it just it just depends on your definition. Uh, I don't think he'll be Zion level. I, I think he'll garner the national attention somebody like Zion did, but I think he'll be a fantastic. Do you consider somebody like Jamal Murray a superstar? Yeah. Um, I hate comparing him, but like somebody that fills it up, like a Steph Curry was a superstar. Yeah. Granted, I'm not comparing him to the best year that's ever played the game, but. They impact the way the game and their superstars in their own right that aren't that don't garner national attention. Yeah, um, but yeah, we we both feel very very confident about Kentucky's chances with Jaden Hardy, and you should too. Uh, with the guys, and we're wrapping up here real quick. I know Travis, you got to get out of here as well. Uh, with the guys coming in, where do you think shooting falls in their skill set, and who needs to stay to fill the lowest skill set need? Okay, that's an interesting question, uh, and that that's came that question. that came from the transaction. Um, can can I go ahead and answer the the one that needs that needs to stay? Yes, senior Nick Richards. Oh God, not happening. But yes, that would that would. That would just completely on the, on the fence, guys. You can make an argument for EJ Montgomery, um, but I think Emmanuel quickly would take the cake for me. Yeah, Emmanuel, uh, guys like you know Johnny Juzang. I think uh, what's what's really interesting is I'm what I'm secretly hoping out of Keon Brooks and Johnny Juzang. This is very selfish of me, but with Khalil's transfer, I'm almost nervous that one of them is going to click because, you know, we, this whole season we've been penciling in both key, you know, it, at least one of Keon and Khalil to return and Johnny to return, well, you know, almost certainly. And we've been kind of talking about Emmanuel as a, as a potential draft guy, but we still kind of been under the assumption that, that we, if we had to put money on it, we'd probably lean him returning. Um, but selfishly, I'm, I'm kind of worried that, that one of Keon or, or Johnny is going to like, magically click and things are going to all you know work and and they're going to start playing out of their mind and we're we're only going to get about you know a quarter of the season maybe i guess you could say a third of the season or so of uh of elite play out of them and then one you know one of them is going to go to the nba uh after after one season that that's kind of my like oh that's that that would not be an ideal scenario it'd be great for this season but because of me already penciling in from next for next year it would kind of be a, a little bit of a disappointment I'll say this uh everybody before this season was talking about EJ Montgomery taking a PJ Washington type uh second year jump which I never believed just because of his personality and they're two, two totally different players somebody I think they could make a awesome sophomore year jump is Keon Brooks oh, I gosh, think he could be, be absolutely awesome. fantastic as a small ball four next year once he figures out defense and rebounding consistently and gets his motor going consistently gets caught up to the full speed of the game I think the, I think he's going to be a complete mismatch if UK wants to run and gun next year. Um, and to finish that question with the guys coming in, um, who who's you know who are the best shooters? 
Easily, Devin Askew is the guy. I mean, he's a plus 40% shooter in AAU ball. Uh, he's he's a guy that if you leave him open, he's going to knock down shots. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, he's at modern day, he is the, the go-to superstar on the team. So he kind of, you know, you know, people watch him closer than, than some of the other, some of his teammates. Um, so it, with BJ Boston and Terrence Clark, and if they get another superstar in the front quarter or, or however that unfolds, um, you know that that's gonna he's gonna be your guy that you look at as as a knockdown shooter. If Emmanuel quickly comes back, that's that's those two together are gonna be just absolutely nasty. B.J. Boston has really really impressed me as a shooter. Uh, Terrence Clark's been a little bit inefficient as a shooter, but uh, he can at least be a serviceable guy. And uh, of course Johnny Juzang, I think that that's gonna be another knockdown guy if he kind of stays on his the track that he is on right now. Um, but yeah. Uh, any anybody else that you're you're thinking of? If everybody returns that should return next year, and everybody shoots to almost all their capability, I think UK's team next year could be one of the best uh, shooting teams the Cal's had here. Do you think you would have Devin Askew who shoots forty some percent in EYBL? You have Emmanuel Quickly. Everybody knows what he's been doing this year. BJ Boston. And all these players, the high school players, are the number one option on their team. And granted, BJ plays on a loaded team, uh, but people get to key in on Terrence, and Terrence is initiating the offense a lot. If Terrence is playing off ball and he's not 100% the other team's uh, defense priority, I think he can shoot 35%. Um, Keon Brooks, I think, can shoot 30%. Uh, Johnny Juzang, I think, at the at, – his best capability, I think he's a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely and I, agree. And I don't think you'll see that this year because I still think he's trying to find his leg, his college legs. And But I, I think if he returns next year, I think it has the possibility of being a great shooting team. If And, my God, if you had a guy like Paulo who can stretch Ooh. the four two at the five spot. Oh, man, man. That'd be nasty. Absolutely nasty. Um, well, I, we we went through all of our uh, all of our questions, so I think we can end it there. Uh, Travis, you have anything else you want to want to add? Uh, no, not right now. I'm going to talk to a couple of recruiting circles this week, and hopefully have some intel for you guys next week. Yeah, uh, this week I'm I'm going to try to put together uh, either if we can't get Terrence Clark on um, next week, I'm I'm going to put something together. We're gonna we're gonna get a big time guest next week, um, and and we'll we'll put together a pretty awesome show. So with that, Travis, where can they find your work and on social media? You can find me, you can find me on Twitter at trav underscore graphs. You can find my other podcast on all the podcast uh, outlets. It's called the Cat Scan Podcast with a K. You can find it on Twitter at CatScanPod. You can find David Sisk on Twitter at Coach David Sisk, and you can find both of our work, uh, both of our work on uh, Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. And uh, I, you can find me at Jack Pilgrim KSR. If you uh, want to reach out for any sponsorship opportunities, you can find me there or. Uh, via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com and with that we will be back next week for another jam-packed sources say podcast and we will see you then